Happy Tuesday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Chris Henry of the EAA Aviation Museum. And how did we top yesterday's episode, Chris? <laughs> I have I no idea. I'm not sure we can. I, I don't know. Uh, as you and I were talking offline, uh, how do you top uh, talking to Colonel Frank Borman? That's yeah, yeah. He's he's been to, the honor. Mo- been to the moon, came back. You know, time one of Time's <laughs> Men of the Year, and yeah, holy smokes! And I get to ride him to lunch in my car. I was very <laughs> <laughs> just that- sitting. To- Sitting across from Frank Borman watching him eat pot roast. Is, yeah, is, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I, I'd buy a ticket to that every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was a, we had we did have a great time uh, at the. We didn't get to talk to it, uh, talk about it because it was uh, it was just before it happened. But uh, we did have a great time at the uh, at the Wright Brothers uh, annual uh, dinner, uh, which uh, I, actually, as this is going to be, this will be the day after, but the day after the uh, uh, the, the anniversary of the first flight, and. Yeah. Uh, uh, Having Frank as the guest of honor at the Wright Brothers dinner was uh, was quite an event too. And that was that was fantastic, and uh, uh, the new exhibit that we've been honored with by him uh, is amazing. We've had a lot of cool, interesting people come through, and I'm hoping to try and capture some of their comments and some of their stories about you know where they were when Apollo 8 flew or or future Apollo, you know, the later Apollo missions. So it was uh, it's been pretty educational already. It's a neat experience. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, all the little trinkets and uh, and artifacts that he had from a, a life in space. Uh, one of the fascinating ones that he pointed out was a. Uh, it's it's probably the smallest piece of the exhibit is that uh, he has a, a hobnail from a a World War One infantry uh, soldier uh, from his family, and uh, you know you just think about that World War One soldier that he'd never know that a nail from his boot would wind up going around the moon. That was, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's quite an amazing little piece to see. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, one of the other things I really enjoy is the, um, he has a set of Russian wings that were given to him by Russian uh, Air Force pilot. And the reason he has those is Frank was the first American astronaut to go and visit Russia. And oh. uh, one of the Russian pilots gave him that and said he flew uh, P-39s in World War II and those were American Lend-Lease P-39s. The United States was helping Russia, and he said, "You know, we couldn't have done, we couldn't have, have beat them without you." And he pulled his wings off of his uniform and gave them to to Frank. And that uh, well, those were in our case here. What an amazing moment! Yeah, he, yeah. It, you know, it's it's stunning. I mean, we talked with with Frank um, about this, about that he was a very cold warrior. The idea that these were comrades in in another war there's kind of a brotherhood of the air even if you're on opposite sides fortunately for us that that uh, camaraderie uh, continues today with the international space station yeah absolutely uh, speaking of uh, outer space we're, we're deep in uh, minute 52 which has uh, quite a lot of things going on but it's it's a nice encapsulation i mean if you if you've really followed apollo 13 and all the uh, the knickknacks and stuff this particular uh, minute is amazing because it, it very well compresses about an hour's worth of happenings on Apollo 13. I mean, the, the idea, there's two main electrical systems on, on the uh, on the Apollo uh, command and service modules. There's the A line of electrics, and then there's the B line, and they, they try to 
be redundant uh, systems that they can switch over if they have any problems or cross circuit to use parts of one system in another one. And uh, when we're when we're watching uh, uh, Jim Lovell and company try to n nail down what's going on, I mean at at the time, and if you listen to them talking about this stuff, the uh, reaction control system, those those uh, the, the rockets that are that are uh, scattered along the outside uh, rim of the uh, of the service module that uh, that provide uh, basic you know aer aeronautic control in in the vacuum of space, uh, they seem to be firing constantly, and uh, that's they don't realize at this point that there is a uh, you know a giant uh, oxygen tank blowing thrust out into space and, and knocking them off their course yeah it's, it's but it's you know they're working the problem and they show it going back and forth i mean they're they're playing all the james horner music and their cameras swiping back and forth but even though uh this this is an out of control situation they are trying to narrow down the problem and they do a pretty good job of that i mean in here they do it in about three minutes figuring out what's going on but but in the, you know in the actual time if you read through the transcripts and stuff Inside of about an hour, they have it all figured out as to what's going on, and wow. uh, yeah, you know, just just working the checklist that they have. They're fifty-seven hours into a flight, and they're faced with they're faced with this, and they're going the wrong way. To you know, <laughs> you know, if this were happening in a plane, the first thing you try to do is try to land. They don't have that opportunity here, so they're going to have to fix it on the way up, and then wait for the you know wait for their wait for their landing. Well, I remember uh, I've asked Gene Kranz about this, and he said during this time, uh, one of the hardest moments for them uh, down in Mission Control was that the guys uh, up in the spacecraft were just flipping switches, and they weren't letting uh, everybody know what they were doing before they did it. Um, and he said that got a little tough to follow because, uh, you know, they were they were just kind of going uh, doing what they thought they should do, but not talking to mission control so they were trying to start start to lose the picture of what the configuration of the spacecraft you know what they were doing with it um you know what switches were what systems they were turning on or what they were trying you know they all weren't on the same page for for a little bit yeah and it's you know it's, it's kind of weird watching this but there's so little bandwidth between the ship and the you know and, and mission control uh we have a tendency of you know in our modern age you get thousands of pieces of data being sent back and forth. I used to work for British Aerospace, and they had, you know, live updates of, of equipment in the air that they could see what was going on with the flight. And uh, carriers like United, American, Delta, they all, they all have their own mission controls where they can look at how a plane's doing in the air and have all the data points in front of them and tell them, you know, and they don't even have to tell the crew, change this or that. They can they can do it from the ground and send up information. Is that but, the uh, is that the ACAR system? Yeah, 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 and and they have, uh, you, you know, it's encrypted, so you can't, you know, it's not going to be like, um, what was that show that was the uh, X Files? Oh uh, yeah, I remember. It was, it was the first episode, but actually, um, the uh, Lone Gunman, Lone yes. Gunman, uh, yeah. the Lone Gunman episode, the the pilot episode, which was kind of prescient and scary, was that there was a plane being remote controlled into the World Trade Center. Yeah. And uh, you can't really, you can't really <laughs> do that. You can't really take control of the plane, but you can get uh, information like fuel flow and, and where you know how the electrical systems are doing. Mostly get status reports back, and uh, and and have. I mean, one of the one of the bigger problems on the command module is that they just had the one little uh, the DSKY the disky display to mm -hmm. show status and stuff, and there weren't many uh, indicators on the screen that you could look at stuff. So you'd have to 
turn knobs and things just to look at the, you'd use the same gauge. They'd have like, I mean, if you, if you look, if you've ever looked inside of a command module, there's like about six or seven dials with, uh, with switches, you know, things going zero to a hundred, but you have to set, it's kind of like an, uh, an ammeter. If you ever used a, uh, an, an ammeter, you can set it for different scales. So a lot of the discussions here when they're trying to find out what's going on with the power systems, mission control was having to call up the gym level and say, set the, you know, set the scale to uh, three and set the, uh, you know, the indicator to seven. And it would, that would show them what the um, electrical system, you know, on the main, the main bus B was doing and, and would tell them what their electrical fuel cells were, were outputting for different ones. They could, they could select from that. So, and, and having to rely on that by voice is such an amazing <laughs> waste of bandwidth. Yeah. <laughs> there were other systems that were being, you know, they were sending down information. I mean, that, that, that system that Clint Howard is sitting in front of and looking at all the all this stuff that that gave a lot of data points for fuel and stuff, but it didn't give them some of the key indicators that were they had to ask for manually. And at the, you know, remember at the same time of this, while the while the ship is kicking around like a mule, the yeah. data is actually going to have a problem because that big omni antenna that's out the back, or the, the the directional antenna that's out the back, that big four dish system that was pointed at Earth, that's wiggling all over its you know its tail. So it's kind of hard keeping a lock on, on Earth. I think at the time that would be uh, Canberra or, no, it still would be Goldstone. I think it's still, it would still be tracking at this time. But they, you know, trying to keep a solid lock on, on their communications was a problem because all the data and all the voice was going through that same stream. So lots, lots of problems to deal with at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and not a lot of fantastic equipment to do it, really. No, no, you know, no, no. Not a lot, no. especially in the communications and and bandwidth area. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's UHF. You know, anybody who's used to, I mean, some of some of our younger listeners probably don't remember uh, over-the-air antennas on your roof. But, yeah, just just imagine tr- having the, the antenna shaking back and forth while you're trying to watch a TV signal. And this is all <laughs> in the, about the same band. It's upper UHF. So it's just, wow. just a little difficult to, uh, to keep a lock. <laughs> but I'm I, I, very impressed by ha- how this all comes across. It seems like a very... Um, concise you know you're you're telling an audience who is not you know they might not be all space geeks they might not be going on but it seems to convey the urgency and that there are they're facing multiple problems that had never been you know they didn't do this in 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 simulations it's like let's blow up the back of the service module and see if you can figure it out <laughs> right right <laughs> wow uh, yeah i don't think there's anything to to truly simulate that <laughs> yeah yeah we do, you know, one of, one of the things that we have to think about, you know, they're, they're in the interest of brevity and trying not to confuse the audience is that uh, uh, Gene Kranz was not the, uh, the mission con- in, in mission control at the time. This would have been uh, uh, Glenn Lunny was, uh, was running it at the time. So he's not the guy there, but trying to introduce, you know, it's like, where'd the other guy go? It's, <laughs> you know, whatever happened to Ed Harris, I don't think that would, uh, that would play too well in a, yeah. in a two-hour so, movie. So how I understood it, and maybe I'm wrong, uh, was Gene uh, was there. It was at shift change. Yeah, he, he was not. And, I, 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 I yeah. should say more correctly, yeah. he wasn't in charge at the time. This was right. Clint, he had Clint just Lund. handed it off. Uh, I mean, and, and both shifts were still in the room, um, is how he told me. Um, yeah. So he said that we got lucky because there was a lot of brain power in the room right then and there when this all happened. Yeah. Uh, because you still had both shifts there. Yeah. Uh, I believe is what he told. I'd have to go back and, and double check, but I'm pretty sure uh, that's what he had said. It was it was dumb luck that it happened right at like a shift change for a uh, mission control. Yeah. So you know that, that that was if anything happened good that was that would have been the thing. Um, the you know poor 
poor uh, uh, Glenn Money was uh, the problem that he, you know, his first his first time as mission controller was during the launch of Apo- the previous mission, the launch of Apollo 12. So he had to face on his very first mission, he had to face the uh, the, the Saturn V getting struck by lightning, and then the next one on his watch, he winds up losing a, a service module pretty much. So uh, I'm sure by the time they got to 14, he was just. <laughs> Yeah, he had every rabbit's foot and four leaf clover <laughs> on his desk that he could he could fit. Um, but uh, but anyway, good you know obviously good in a pinch because they both made it back you know safely and uh, Apollo twelve actually had a a, a safe mission you know a successful mission. Yeah yeah absolutely. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, we've got a lot to cover in in this upcoming week. We've got some interesting uh, uh, folks coming up to to talk about it too, and we are going to have a return of a, of a wonderful guest. Not that all, all of our guests are pretty wonderful, so. Uh, I, <laughs> Let me just, uh, we can uh, just take a break here, but we'll meet you all back here tomorrow uh, on the Apollo 13 Minutes. So please, please join us. Uh, it looks like we're coming up on, oh, by the way, if you haven't, please join our Facebook group and uh, and like it and you know get, get regular updates there. It's uh, Apollo 13 Minute Mission Control, and uh, we're always happy to hear the discussions going on. We had a lot of great feedback yesterday from... Uh, uh, from Frank Borman's uh, visit, and it's it's always great hearing yeah your takes on it and your own experiences with Apollo 13. So join us on uh, on Facebook. Also find us on Twitter at Apollo 13 Minute, of course. And you're probably getting this already on iTunes or Google Play. But if you if you're not, just go into iTunes, uh, type Apollo 13 Minute in the search bar, and you can get us hot and fresh every morning, Monday through Friday. But it looks like we're coming up on loss of signal in about 30 seconds. So we will see you here next time on the Apollo 13 Minute.